Welcome to episode 24 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. This episode has been split into two parts due to its length. Once again, I would like to thank you, the listener, for the feedback on the podcast thus far, both positive and constructive. I appreciate people's views and I will endeavour to improve on each episode in the various areas noted. In regards to the social media pages, I continue to ask people to send through photos, programs, articles and other items. Our soccer history is important in the Illawarra and there are items out there that need to be published and saved. So please continue to encourage people you know to send through the items to me. This episode's interviewee has had a varied career as a player and coach. He started his journey in Chile in the 1970s and early 1980s, where he learned his football craft on the streets with his friends. Julio Miranda started to gain further recognition in the Chilean football system before he immigrated with his parents to Australia at the end of 1984. From here, Julio has played at various clubs at different levels, coached at different levels in the region, and has interacted with some of the best players slash coaches the Illawarra has seen from the 1980s, 1990s, 2000s and 2010s. After playing, coaching was inside his footballing heart and he has, like his playing career, tested himself at various levels with several clubs. Personally, I had interaction with him while Julio was at Balgownie Rangers and I always found him passionate, focused and a lover of the game. I thoroughly enjoyed this interview and have the utmost respect for him and his wife Leanne for allowing me into their home for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. Please enjoy part one of episode 24, where Julio delves into his childhood and early career up until Richard Evans left Bulleye Soccer Club in 1993. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm here in the uh, beautiful suburb of Bulleye with uh, a special guest, Julio Miranda. Julio, welcome. Thanks, Tracker. Thanks for having me. No, I really appreciate you uh, letting me into your home, you and Leanne, on uh, this cloudy and windy Sunday morning. Um, We'll get straight into it, and um, there's a lot to talk about um, with your timeline. Um, uh, But before we get into some of the Australian stuff, um, obviously... um, uh, people might know of your heritage, but um, the 60 to 130 listeners that are listening to this <laughs> might not. But tell us about where you were born and um, your first memories of football. Um, yeah, man, Chuck, I was, um, I was born in Chile. Um, I lived over there for the first 13 years of my life. Um, yeah, and I was a hard up group bringing simply because of, the, I guess, the culture and the way things were back in the country. So... Um, yeah, look, football-wise upbringing, I guess it was, um, look, football was everything down there. Um, yeah, I, I still got memories of, you know, playing out on the streets, playing football. Um, from the time I'd get home from school, have something to eat, uh, and then the friends would come over and knock on the front door and 
away I'd go and I wouldn't get back home till 8 o'clock at night just simply playing out on the streets and is that all year as well that you were playing football pretty much well there's only one sport um, that I knew anyway I know I do remember uh, mum and dad tried to get me into tennis Uh, they did take me to a lesson but uh, I just remember screaming and carrying on because I just (laughs) didn't want to do it and and so where where did you uh, grow up in Chile? Geography wise, on apart from knowing where Santiago is, I'm yeah. not I'm not strong elsewhere. Um, Roughly, where are you in relation to Santiago? In relation to Santiago, I was on the coast, a place called Viña del Mar, yep. which is about an hour and a half west of Santiago on the coast. Yep. Uh, I was born in Santiago, but yep. uh, my my mum was from Santiago. That was from Viña del Mar. Yep. And uh, yeah, just simply because of my dad's work situation, we uh, we lived uh, where we did. And uh, yeah, as I said, like school for me, um, the, the system over there is different. They have morning and, and afternoon school. So yeah. I was always lucky enough to go to a morning school, which was yeah. from eight, eight o'clock till one. So and then, you know, you go home, have lunch. And then, uh, yeah, the rest of the afternoon was just out in the streets playing football. So at um, in school, in morning school, there was no football. It was just education. You got through it, and then in, and then that's where your f- football first started. Was out in the street. Yeah, with, pretty with much. Friends. Yeah, pretty much. They. Um, it was all about yeah school, and then you know obviously your your breaks you'd have in between. Um, I don't remember playing too much football because yeah. it was only short breaks. Yeah. So there was from eight or eight thirty to one o'clock in the afternoon. So it was a short day so to speak so but then a lot of free time afterwards yeah like i said i would come home and um i would have lunch which it's funny because over there lunch it's like our dinner okay so and then at night time it's just a supper yep. so you know I'd, I'd i'd get home at 1 30 uh have something to eat by 2 30 be out the door um and i'll be out there till about eight o'clock at night so um that out in the street it was just sort of um that sort of ad hoc where where you could play or where you could find a spot, that's where you and your friends would would play. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, there was a lot of times where you know the, the the place that we would pick and and choose to go and play football, there was a lot of traffic through there. <laughs> so you know there was always stop and starts because we have to let cars <laughs> go through. But uh, like it was good good fun, mate. It was it was just um, back in those days. I loved going out there and and just having a kick. You know, sometimes we didn't have a football, so we'd have to get stockings and yep. get a ball or get a plastic ball and whatever we could get anything that get the creative, a, creative a skills thing. going yeah. and yeah so it was it was good fun as i said it was just and mum mum loved the fact that you know we we're always outside and uh, doing something you know and i'd like to think that i was a good kid too back then i don't think i got up to much too much mischief so and what about um you know that's the sort of first memory of football in chile so when um when did you then um, get a taste of organised football in Chile? Then, uh, I was. It was probably in. Because probably... are we talking that in sort of you're born in the early seventies? I was born in seventy one, late seventy yep. one. Yep. Uh, look, and I'd organised football wasn't until I was about ten. Okay. Um, and, and is that the norm in Chile at that at that point in time? It was. Yeah, back then it was. I mean, there was unless you were identified by a select group. Um, I guess you wouldn't start playing until you were about twelve. Okay. Uh, in a in an organised um, environment, but I was lucky enough to uh, been involved in uh, a professional club academy yep. at the age of nine. I think I was. 
I spent about a year there. So which, how were you identified to, to go into that I went setup? to trial. Um, okay. It was um, club, it was called Everton. Yep. And hence my love for Everton <laughs> Football Club in England. Um, yeah, and I spent, I think it was about two years there, just doing academy. So when you, um, going back to that point where you went to the trial, were you, um, can you remember if you were excited um, or you just thought, oh, this is just a, a chance to play some more football and, and have a crack at something? No, I was terribly nervous. Yep, because um, you knew what I'm, it might might yeah. mean. Terribly nervous. Um, I, I knew some of the players, remember, that were trialling as well and they were very good players. Yep. But um, as I said, the work turned out, turned out well for me and I spent, yeah, maybe 12 months, I think it was, 12 to 18 months doing that. And um, So what was that sort of set up like in terms of, um, you know, at, at that moment you were playing street football and a lot of hours, so you, you had a lot of touches and that on the ball. What, but what changed? What was the structure like of, of that academy? Look, it was a lot of... Um, it's not much uh, different to what we see these days. A lot yep. on the first touch, one v ones. I mean, there's. I, I do remember playing a lot of two v twos, three v threes, and um, so that that was the main emphasis at the time back then. And and what what did you think, and what did your parents think that you were part of um, uh, this academy and this club? Because I'm assuming that was the the are they in the first second or third tier of Chile football yeah they were a fairly big club I mean uh, they're one of the I guess most popular clubs in Chile behind the likes of Colo Colo and the other two big clubs from Santiago but um, look I I don't know I think that would have been proud because he's always had that football background and he did play himself and um, he could have been talked to that a few times and he probably had the opportunity to go and play at a better level but he didn't so so it had some uh, football and some family meaning in yeah, terms 100%. of yeah. making that, that yeah. academy. Yeah. No, it was, um, I mean, for me, it felt really good, obviously, being in that setup. But um, I'm sure, I mean, that was the one that would take me there. And yep. back then, we didn't have a car. So it would be a bus ride yep. to get there all the time. So, yeah, like it was, as I said, as, a, as, a, as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, it was good fun. So um, in, 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 in getting to... Uh, this this academy and whatnot. There's there's some obviously um, memories of you know travel time with with your dad and whatnot, and and that must uh, come back in the memory quite a bit. <laughs> to be totally honest, or, I or was it not, really? not much not <laughs> no. much conversation. No, I mean I look to be the thing with dad. Like I a lot of the times if I, if there's no football conversation involved with that, we don't talk much. <laughs> so, um, and, and things weren't any different back then. Yeah, like dad has always loved his football, so. I, you know, back I don't remember too much, but um, yeah, that's the kind of relationship I have with Dad. Noggies, yeah. So, did you play uh, games at this academy? Uh, or... I think we did. It was just in-house games yep. I would play a lot. Um, as I said, it was probably just you know spending two or three times a week training, and I don't remember having games on weekends. Yep. It was just you know do that through the week, and then yeah, we'll do it week in week out. Because I guess being eight nine year old, and as I said over there organized football that it wasn't until you're about 11 or 12 and i guess uh we were talking um uh off off uh, microphone uh, uh before we started this interview about um you know local soccer and, and whatnot and and coaching um do you think um we i said to you that um 
you know, learning football is like learning a language and the, the younger you learn it, the better. So do you think that um, being in that academy at that age held you in good stead throughout your career in terms of the fundamentals and, and how to play football? Yeah, it did. But um, like I said before, like the, because of the amount of time that I would spend out on the street and just playing that was critical street as well. football, it was just that's where I think I probably learned most of my stuff like that that i was that's where i build my my platform on yeah because you spend so much time doing what you do with a football and as i said at times we didn't have a proper football it was just something that would resemble a ball like and and it just i think that that's where i got more out of rather than being in the academy setup so you get to that sort of um in that setup and then and then there's a for whatever reason, and, and you can talk about it if you want to, um, your parents then um, um, then immigrated out here to Australia. But before we talk about that and, and what it meant to you at, at that young age, you, you said um, in your timeline that you were scouted by a professional club, and I'll let you pronounce the club, yep. um, although I, I learn a bit of basic Spanish, um, <laughs> or Chilean derivative of it, um, I'll let you pronounce it. And, and, what did, and how did you know about that? Well, I, after I did that year and a half or two with the academy, I went and um, I think I was about 11. I just went and played for the local club where I lived. Okay. Um, I did that for one year and then... Um, and, and what age? Was that your age group under 11? Um, I think I was playing a, a year below my age. Yep. And then I, um, yeah, I was just um, scouted by uh, one of, I guess, one of the officials from this club, which was called San Luis. Yep. The Gijota. Yep. Um, at the time, they were in the second tier football in Chile. And um, I was asked to go and try for this team, which was about an hour away from home. Yep. Uh, which I did, and I was lucky enough to make it. Uh, the only draw card about that was the fact that um, it was about an hour away from home. And my routine three nights a week or three days a week would be going to school. Uh, going home, have something to eat, and then mum will put me on a bus yep. for an hour. And this is, I'm talking when I was 11 or 12. Yep. Uh, getting to the training setup or the, the, the complex, um, having training, then they would take me to back to the to the clubhouse. Yep. They would feed a lot of the guys that were outside from the area yep. and then put us back on the bus. bus. So I would get home any time between 8 and 9 o'clock. So that was... I loved it. I, yep. I, Mum was a little bit worried because I was obviously travelling on my own. But I um, guess as a young boy, though, that sort of independence and, and doing something you love would have been extremely appealing. Oh, look, I, I loved it. Um, you know, there was... Look, the other thing too was going and training with this club on a proper grass pitch, playing local football, playing street football at home... Local football was played on dirt uh, dirt fields. Yep. Uh, dust everywhere, um, which was you know, just the norm over there. Just, yep. That's why you do things. And but you know, going out there and training on a grass pitch, playing on a grass pitch, having two or three coaches looking after the whole setup, it was just um, yeah, I'd I'd really enjoyed it. Um, unfortunately, I only got to do that for twelve months because Dad gave us the news that um, yeah, we um, we migrated to Australia. So um, when you uh, look back on it now and, 
and hindsight's an easier thing to say where it may have been, but uh, do you ever contemplate it, sort of Gwyneth Paltrow sort of sliding door style that, you know, if they didn't immigrate here, um, even though you've got a wonderful life and a great family here, do you think about that to a certain extent? Not as a, a negative, but, you know, have you ever thought about what might have been? Oh, you, you do. Um, yeah. But I just keep thinking that I'll probably... There was so like it's so competitive over there, uh, as it is in any other places like Europe, that you know like I probably would have done well yep. for a number of years, but you just don't know what might have happened. So, in hindsight, if you ask me, do I regret that or am I happy with what's happened? Yep. You know, um, I, I'm definitely happy that I'll come out <laughs> here for sure. So you get out here in sort of, uh, you came out in December 84, you were saying. So uh, what are your um, first memories of Australia? And then um, uh, you joined the, the local club, um, Balambi. So what were your first memories of Australia and then um, playing at uh, or getting to Balambi, soccer club? Yeah, our first memory was my, because when we came out here, um, we, we lived with my dad's twin brother. Okay. Uh, he lived in Balambi at the time. Uh, and as every ethnic does, when they bring anybody new over here, you have to make a, a mandatory stop at Bullo Lookout. <laughs> and uh, he, I, I remember him saying to me, he goes, uh, yeah, this, that's Wollongong. Yep. And I said to him, I remember saying to him, I said, is that where we're going to live? And he goes, yep. And I just thought, well, there's a lot of green around here, <laughs> which I wasn't used to. Yep. And there's the ocean's not far away from it. So look, and yeah, that was the first thing, and then obviously getting to to his house, who actually at, um, his house actually backed onto um, Elizabeth Park, Park at Palambi, yeah. and once again the uh, grass on a soccer football <laughs> on a football pitch was very appealing. That was a bit first memories, and I remember getting to his house, getting changed, and going outside with my cousin, and going and play football. Probably we did for a couple of hours before it was time to come home. And so your um, uncle then uh, coached you for a couple of years in under-14s and yep. 15s. Um, and, and what are your memories of that? Because you're obviously um, playing with your cousin, being coached by your uncle, so that must hold some good memories and making new friends as well. Oh, it was great. I had a really good time playing for Balambi. I, um, I do remember a younger um, Robbie Banks yep. being a big fan, coming over and saying, well done, you know, he's always watching our games uh playing at Blamby and yeah that's the biggest thing that I remember is obviously having a bit of fun with the teammates there but um just the rivalry we had with the likes of Lake Heights yep. Paul Kembler um especially Lake Heights playing at I don't know what the field's down there's called I think it's Barina Barina Oval and it sloped a bit it, it's, <laughs> it was probably worse back then <laughs> So, but yeah, like that was that was a huge rivalry against them. Um, you know, there's the guys that I played against, and I played with later in in life. Um, you know, and they became yeah, they were decent guys too to, to talk to. And and I guess back then, um, compared to now, um, and we can leave out which is better, but um, you know, um, you got to play against some very good players. Not all the the junior clubs had some very talented kids playing for them they weren't all sort of siphoned off into um these sort of uh next level 
um, program. So mm. it was pretty competitive junior football, oh, wasn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. So the um, the, I do remember clearly the like, games against Borkham Lane Lake Cards. They were very, very competitive, and um, yeah, we we had a lot of wins, but we had a lot of losses, disappointing ones. But yeah, that's just the thing that sticks in my mind. Just the um, yeah, we we used especially at that age group because there was a lot of talk about the Balambi playing against Lake Kites and we had, you know, get decent crowds playing, you know, under 14s, I think it was, or under 15s. So it was, that's the thing that, you know, I, I don't remember in particular a lot of the names that we I played against. Um, but I do know that later and later on when I went and joined Wollongong Macedonia back then, that I got to play with a lot of the guys I played for Lake Kites. And that is the beauty of uh, Illawarra football in terms of the different strands of, um, you know, people who play the game and, and where they come from. Uh, what about um, being coached by your uncle? How did you find that? Oh, he was good. I mean, he, he always played um, play football until he was probably late 30s as well. And a lot of people would know him, Serge Miranda. Uh, he played for Rula Wanderers back yep. in the days. And I think he might have played for Wollongong Sports. Yeah, I think he The old Chilean... I think team. he did. Yeah. yeah. So and he knew, like he knew his stuff. Um, and he was he's pretty sort of cruisy type of bloke. And you know, I, I, I sort of from what I remember, it was always good fun going to training. And what about some of your teammates from those Bolambi days? Um, uh, do you remember any of them? And um... yeah, there's a couple. There's um, obviously my cousin Marcos. He was inside. Yep. Uh, I had um, Mark Canton. who was our goalkeeper. Crazy, and um, who was the other? Guy? There's, there's a few others. I mean, I it was a long time ago. Louis Brotnick. Yep. He um he was a very good centre back, and a lot of people would know him now. Louis, I think he does work for Australia Post. Yeah. With a couple of good mates of mine, <laughs> but um, yeah, like that, I, I really enjoyed. I said those two years at Bellamy. And um, before we get to the next um, stage where you then played uh, uh, representative uh, uh, soccer with the Illawarra, with an Illawarra team, when you, when you were growing up in Chile, um, on weekends, was, did you have the avenue to go and watch the local team? Um, or, or was that happened here and there? Uh, the, you mean the the, the professional yeah. teams? I I did go and watch them a couple of times. And so, uh, and how was that experience? I'm assuming you'd go with your dad and and watch the game. So yeah, like I said, like I said before that we we didn't have a car, so you know would um, I do remember going to watch my Everton. Yep. And which wasn't far, so you'd have to catch a bus, and then there was a long half hour walk from where we got off the bus, bus. up to the stadium, and um, I just remember. You know, people being everywhere, like you, just excitement. Just walking up to the stadium yep. and being there, um, it was you know there was it was good 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 experience. And I just don't think it is what it what it was it is now what it was like back then. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I do have vivid memories of that. And so the stadium sort of was sounds good. and smells that you yeah, could like just still have in your memory. Having so many people, I, I guess it's if anybody can imagine going to a state of origin. Yep. Stadium Australia, but you know it's a half hour walk walking up. They're all going to uh, you know Brisbane, watching the yep. State of Origin, walking through Caxton Street. Yeah, I've been I've been lucky enough to done to to have done that, and so it's similar experience. Similar experience. There's people everywhere, but it happened more regularly, I guess. Yeah, yeah. In that sense, because yeah. it was a a weekend sort of uh, getaway. 
And and what about um, uh, you said? Were you then on the weekends while you're sort of playing junior soccer? Were you then going and watching some senior soccer as well? Not really. No, no. I'd um, I never got to watch when I played locally over there. I never went and watched my the senior local side. Yep. Uh, it was just mainly hanging around with the mates and just playing out on the streets because, as I said, we didn't have organised football at the time and it wasn't until under 12s or under 11s that we started playing uh, for the local club because that's what they do there. And we come back to Australia and um, in 87, you, you were coached by uh, John John Valestra and, and Mike Forshaw um, in the Laura team. So how did that come about and... And um, you know, being selected, and and then what? What did you think of it? Um, yeah, look, I played for two years Blamey, and then I do remember, you know, a lot of people saying that um, there was a bit of interest from 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 the uh, the Illawarra team, and um, yeah, I went trial, did well, uh, and I was lucky enough to make the team under John John Valestra and Mike Forshaw, who's yeah. actually Steve Forshaw's dad. Um, a lot of people will probably remember Steve played with the Wolves in Bulleye back in the days. Um, and look, and that was that was really good. And obviously, we would um, would train three nights a week as well. I think it was, and you know, I've made some really good friends. And I was still friends with like the likes of Danny Valestra, yep. Derek Morton was yep. our goalkeeper, um, Matt Ward, yep. um, my cousin was in the team too, Marcos. Uh, so so blokes was, have been round the traps and in at different clubs and have made their mark in in the yeah, local leagues. So. Yeah, like there's, as I said, we had a fairly decent team back then, and you know it was. I, I really enjoy my time because I guess you know going from a local league and then you go and train three nights a week and going to Sydney every second week was that was you know testing yourself. Yeah, and it was fun. Like, I mean, you always play against some very good players, and and that was that was. I really enjoyed that challenge because. Um, you know, you you were used to being able to be dominant back in the local league, but when yeah. you go up there, it's just it's you know you you become one of them as well, and you become an average player once again. So it's a, to me, that was just a bit of a an incentive to do a to incentive to do a little bit better. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was good fun. And what about um, you know, you you're playing in that sort of uh, did you play still local soccer then, or, or no, was no, it, it was just the focus was those three nights a week and then and then every second week apart from playing at home you're then then playing up in Sydney yeah yeah it was um, yeah purely representing the Illawarra team against um, you know the likes of Arpia back in the days Mike Carney yep um, so yeah it was they were playing in every second week up in Sydney and was there any um, sort of games that stick out in your memory um, from that from that time with the Illawarra team from that time look it, there are just um this is the one particular game, probably for the wrong reasons, that my dad was very vocal at the time. Yeah. It was probably one of those games where I just had enough of my dad yelling from the <laughs> sideline. And I literally stood there on the middle of the pitch and told him to shut up. And that was the time that probably didn't speak to me for a few weeks. <laughs> but, you know, like he was, he was very passionate about that. And that was actually played at Fern Hill. Okay. It would have been against Marconi at the time. But um, any other memories was just, you know, playing against some decent players. I mean, I don't remember his name was, but he used to play for Arpia. Michael, his name was, actually. I don't know his surname, but I used to just think, wow, the size of his legs were about the size of three of mine put together (laughs) for a guy that was only 15. And uh, I think he went on to 
play a couple of NSL games for Sydney Olympic. Yep. But um, yeah, that was that was I remember him very quick. It was very very quick, strong, and uh, yeah, couldn't get near him. And I guess I've uh, played with you and been coached by you, and we'll get to that. But I always, um, not being a professional interviewer, always forget to ask the the person involved what was your position and um, where did you predominantly play out in the pitch. Um, with you, well, at that point in time. At that point in time, I was predominantly in the middle of the park. Yep. Yeah. Um, funny enough, when I played back in Chile for that professional team, yep. um, I played as a right fullback. Oh, really? Yeah, which I hated. But I thought, you know, that it is what it is. You just got to do it. But, uh, yeah, coming over here, um, I don't think I've played any other position apart from Miller Park and and as a striker. Yep. Yeah, so that that was my position. Well, then that's a, a good note that I need to get better as an interviewer, but to always ask that question because right fullback, mm. I would never have guessed that for you because <laughs> I knew you as a, a centre midfielder and a very good one, mm. so... I can't see as a right fullback. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> so um, you then, um, in 88, go to Wollongong Macedonian State League, um, and then you you said that you then started uh, to sort of uh, mix with uh, blokes that you played against in Lake Heights um, in those junior days with Bolambi. But how did that um, move come about? Well, I um, I remember a lot of the guys that um, play at the Illawarra, in the Illawarra team for... They went in trial for the Wolves. Um, for some reason, I didn't go. Okay. And I was really filthy about it. But through one of my uncle's contacts, uh, who was actually the coach of the youth grade there at the time, Peter Tosioski, yep. he um, he said, yeah, no, look, bring him along. We'll have a look at him. And, uh, yeah, he picked me in the side. And, um, yeah, we ha- he was my coach at the time, the first year, and Mike Johnson was the first grade coach. Yep. Um, that, I remember that year was... Yeah, a fairly average lean year. So is that a continuation on in terms of that representative setup, train three nights a week, and then, you know, you were used to the travel, so it's just continued to, instead of Illawarra, it was Wollongong, Macedonia. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I said I enjoy that, and being, you know, being able to train that many nights a week was great. I mean, I, that's, I, mean, I love doing it. Uh, I've always liked training. So you are around 17 then? Yeah, 16, 17 at the time. And, and what about... Um, uh, Wollongong Macedonia where did they train and where did you play your home games we used to train uh, at JJ Kelly yep our home games were at JJ Kelly as well so um, I do remember the pitch the training pitch and the playing pitch probably a little bit better than what they are now but not not the main pitch because I was, I was JJ Kelly surface at the moment is pretty good it's immaculate yeah but uh, yeah we, we used to train there and um as I said, my coach at the time was Peter Tosioski. and um, so how was he as a coach? Oh, he was good, pretty cruisy, yep. Peter. Yeah, you know, for those that know him, he's uh, quite a character, but yeah, he was all good fun. He, he he was very good to me. Yep. And what about um, there is there is a club, um, uh, you know, uh, a, a club steeped in history and and um, have had some ups and downs in terms of where they've been, you know, where they started in the old second division and then get into state league and then they had a year in the NSL as well and then back to the local league. Uh, how did you find um, the crowds, you know, and, and and compared to, say, Illawarra, where I guess it's more structured, it was probably, you know, a passionate passionate crowd at Wollongong Macedonia? Oh, look, they're, they're great. They're 
you know, the people there, you know, you, you go training, not so much for a youth grade team at the time, yeah. but, you know, first grade training, you get a lot of people watching the training sessions and they, they love their football. Yeah. You, know, they're, um, you get good crowds back then. And even when on away games, you know, like I remember going, a lot of the time we'll, we'll go up on a bus. Yep. And sometimes it was two buses because we had a lot of Supporters people, come as well. Supporters and, you know, it, um, yeah, like they, they loved the football and they were very supportive of the club and they continue to be now with, you know, the likes of Cringilla and the, the Conistons and the Wollongong United. And, and what a, that time there um, in 88 in that first season, was there any games that stick out that um, you said it was a lean year? So um, how did you uh, react to sort of, you know, you obviously had some decent times at Balambi and then the Illawarra team. So how did you react as a player to, you know, being in a team that wasn't going as well? Mm. Oh, look, when I was, I was in the team at the time, but I was only playing the youth grade. I wasn't yep. part of the first grade squad. But I felt like I was doing okay, and as I said, I just enjoy the setup, and um, you know, like we had, you know, obviously we had the likes of Peter Tosioski there, and then we had a guy by the name of Mitre. Yeah, uh, he came and coached. He was an old Macedonian coach and very old school, and the way he did things, and he was interesting. Yeah, you know, but um, he was a good guy too. Like he was, I think, I remember listening to one of your podcasts, and Sarge might have had him as a coach as well so he would be able to relate to what I'm talking about <laughs> it was as being different with his ways and 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 what about um you then then had a, a, a another year there um and and then uh Slavko uh Dav, Davkovsky was your youth grade coach and Casey De Bruyne came in so um what changed then um in terms of you know you put in your timeline about um Casey being um I guess, and an, a good influence on your career. Um, so what sort of stuck out to you that sort of still imprints in your mind now that he was an influence? Oh, look, Casey's, um, for those that, that know Casey, he, everywhere he goes, he, he has an objective. He has a big, he has a, he has a, he has a plan about the club, a plan about the players that he has. And what he brought to the club at the time was just professionalism, um, the desire for players that that you know, were going to be part of the club. They were there for the right reasons, and yep. they were there to work under Casey De Bruyne and nobody else. Yep. And um, as I said, um, Slavko, he was my youth grade coach, and um, yeah. But as I said, Casey, the way he, although there was other coaches there, Casey pretty much ran the show. Yep. He was responsible for both teams, and I, yeah, I think it was only two teams at the time. But uh, yeah, I mean, Casey is just, um, yeah, like it's just he's a straight shooter. Yep. Um, he knows what he talks. He, talk, he talks about. It. He knows his football inside out. And like you mentioned before, he he was probably one of the probably biggest football influences that I've ever had. So, did you think um, in terms of? Uh when you look back on it now about being an, an influence on you, is it more about the way he did things, um, you know, his attention to detail, you know, that sort of passion and objective that he just followed through with it, just stuck in your, stuck in your mind as a, yeah. as a player? And then I guess once later on we'll talk about you being a coach as well that sort of stuck in your memory? Yeah, like his attention to detail, especially as individuals. Um, from my perspective he taught me a lot of things as I was a midfielder at the time and 
I just remember little things that he taught me and brought up in my game that um, you see, look, to, you know, you've got to do this. You know, you buy the way you receive the ball, your body shape, and that they're the things that I'm I'm saying. Like he's very technical, but at the same time, he's he used to drive you um, in in many ways. But <laughs> the main reason you want to do well for Casey is because you knew that if you didn't. <laughs> The, the 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 bad Casey you know that would uh, would come out of and he'll let you know in no uncertain terms, but um, as I say with Casey I was I was lucky enough because at the time the club introduced this um, uh, apprenticeship scheme policy, which was pretty uh, I guess innovative at its time for a, a local club. Wasn't I think it? it was a first. Yeah, to be honest, I mean they I remember clearly when they came in and then they said to all the youth grade players, you know, we are offering three spots. Um, to to youth grade players yep. to become apprentices, you train me first grade, you get paid. Yep. I think at the time it was about fifty dollars a week, which was oh, it's great. And um, in eighty nine, that's that's a lot of money. <laughs> it was, mate. So, you know, as I said, I was lucky enough uh, to have been one of the three. The others were Steve Jovanovsky, who I think he's coaching Wollongong United's uh, under twenties at the moment, yep. and Zoran Kolovsky, um, who paid up. He's probably well known around the traps. He goes to a lot of football games. <laughs> very, uh, very decent man, decent family. Um, he's yeah, one of his sons was the other one. So, look, that what I'd learned in that year, just training with Casey, training with first grade players. And at the time, we had the first grade players were fabulous. Like they just, they just took me under their arms, and I don't think ever been yelled at or talked in a negative way. It was always very encouraging. Um, but I do remember Casey, you know, if he didn't have his way, then, you know, you can see the steam coming out of his ears. And, but that's uh, just the way Casey is, and I think that's where he got the most out of his players. And so, um, uh, not to sort of denigrate the man, but, you know, I know uh, Vic Costable, when he spoke about a time at Lysarts where um, at a half-time session, um, you know, they, uh, they did a training session because they played so poorly. Uh, did you ever have any incidents like that? I only remark on that not to... Like I said, to disparage Casey, but it's just funny that um, you have a situation like that where the coach wants so much from you and wants you to do your best that he'll go, well, okay, I need to fix this now and this is the way to do it. So mm. it's, did you have any of those sort of moments? There was one moment I remember playing, oh, I can't remember who we played, but um, I was on, I was, at the time I was on the bench for first grade and being on the bench for the first 45 minutes and listening and looking at Casey as I said when you saw Casey turn red you knew that the players were in trouble <laughs> um, and I remember walking off at half time and um, hearing a couple of the senior players uh, not wanting to go into the dressing sheds and you knew exactly why um, Casey I remember that day just came in and half time just tore paint off the walls um, and luckily enough, I mean, I guess just the players got got the got the message. They came out and they won the game. I think the other time we're down one nil against the bottom side, and um, yeah, so he got, obviously he got the reaction that he wanted from the players. But um, yeah, well, times was very scary going in. <laughs> and 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 let's be objective and reflect on the positive positive side. So when when um, being an apprentice, and so not. You're part of the first grade squad as this innovative approach that Wollongong Macedonia had, but it must have been um, so uplifting in terms of your footballing self-esteem that someone of his stature would have 
a one-on-one -on -one discussion with you, obviously had watched your game and was watching your development to then give you specific tips on, like you said, your body position on how to receive the ball. So that must have, you know, we're not, you know, I talk about the sort of funnier sides of, you know, a coach getting upset, but that must be, demonstrate, you know, his passion for the game and wanting to develop players as well. Yeah, look, uh, and yeah, you're spot on. And I was lucky enough to be one of many, many players and I'm sure that he's had that big influence on and I don't know Vic was one of them. But, um, look, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't take that opportunity for granted. I knew that he was something different and something special. And, and so did the other players, even the first grade players. I mean, uh, I said that year when he came in, they got promotion to the NSL. And it wasn't just simply because they got a good, good, good bunch of players. I think you know we had decent, decent players, but he's just brought that mentality and, and the culture that the club probably didn't have in previous years. And I'm sure a lot of the guys that were involved in the club back then would not disagree with that because it was just it was just different. He just he knew what he wanted and he knew how to go about it. And what about um, yourself when you reflect on that year? That you know, like I said, it's a it's a huge thing. Um, some people uh, listening might not know as much about the NSL, but that's a huge thing. It doesn't happen these days. You know, you just don't come up from MPL one and go into A League. Yeah. But at that point in time, the NSL to set up it, it did happen, and so it must have been a great feeling for the players and the club, and it must have been fantastic at the end of the year to know that you know that that was happening. Yeah, I, mean, I remember the, the the game that we we played actually was against Polonia. Yep back up but was up in Sydney and if we had won that game we were guaranteed first spot and promotion to the NSL and uh, I, I just remember as I said I, I mentioned the fact that you know when we go to Sydney we'll go on a bus but that particular game I think we there was a, at least two or three buses going up knowing full well that the team had a good chance of winning and if they did get promotion to the NSL and I remember that game we won and yeah that was I said the the Macedonian people were just crazy and obviously very happy about it. So great times at the ground, but obviously a great bus trip back. Oh, it was, it was, but obviously I was too young to drink at the time, so. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, responsible drinking must always be adhered to. The, um, in terms of, though, uh, were you on the bench in that game or were you just part of the, the was, squad like you were the apprentice? So I was on the bench a lot of the time. and So it still had some, some meaning to you in terms of, you know, you had a, some skin in the game as well. Yeah, like I, I was just happy to be involved in what I, you know, what, what he had in place. I mean, I, I was lucky to be, I've given my debut in, was at home against, I think it was in St. Mary's, I think. Yep. Uh, came on just before half time for Paul Mears at the time. He yep. got himself hurt. And um, I was surprised because I just played a, I think it was a full game in youth grade. And then I, I was asked to sit on the bench and I was, yeah, I was a bit shocked that Casey told me to warm up when Paul got hurt. And um, in that particular game, a player as a left winger. And, um, yeah, at the end of the game, I was obviously very tired, but I remember Casey coming up to me and putting his arm around me and, and just just congratulating me because I, I had a decent game and had given the team that enthusiasm that they probably didn't have in the first 45 minutes. And, not, yeah, that kind of really stuck in my mind. So, obviously, uh, definitely uh, a very good coach, but obviously in terms of managing uh, 
men, he, he obviously had a great skill there as well. Oh, 100%. As I said, you don't get to where Casey is now or have done in the past without having that skill. And what about you? Um, in 1990, um, you um, left uh, Wollongong, Macedonia um, to concentrate on, 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 on education. So what sort of, um, you know, you, you spoke about before the time it took every second week in Sydney, so that was obviously a factor in concentrating on your education in 1990? Yeah, it was. I mean, I actually, I reflected on the stuff that I seen you before, but that year when I left, I got a job as an insurance agent at the time, which I had to travel a fair bit, and I wasn't, a lot of the time I wasn't home. That's why I gave it up. Yep. And then I... Um, so were you playing anywhere at all that no, year? Didn't no. play at all, because obviously I was away. Yep. Um, and I remember I'd, um, I did enrol into TAFE to go and do a, a real estate course, which I'd later left because it wasn't me. Yep. But um, yeah, so I'd pretty much have a gap, I had a gap year for 12 months, not knowing what to do, tried a few th- different things. And unfortunately, yeah, I, was, I couldn't do anything with football for 12 months and that was a bit regret. Yeah, and what a, like, you know, education... You know, we talk about responsible drinking, but we also talk about education. So you took the right path there. But, um, you know, I know you and you've definitely got a, a deep passion for the game. So, yeah, like you said, it must have been frustrating in a sense and just left a sort of hole in the, the footballing soul, I oh, guess. Oh, yeah, that, you know, that 12 months because I couldn't be involved with the game. It was just, yeah, I'd, it was, yeah, it was depressing, but... I thought I was doing the right thing by trying to obviously look after yeah. my future and try and do the right thing. But, yeah, I can probably say that I didn't work out that way. So it kind of gave me a bit of a um, bit of a kick in the backside to you know, say, OK, what do I want to do? And, um, you know, I'm not too sure what happened, happened on the coaching side in terms of um, Casey because um, I don't think he um, saw out that year in 1990 um, in the NSL, um, I think even maybe John Fleming had come in at yeah. some point in time. But mm. had you started the pre-season um, with Wollongong Macedonia, no, or, but... or you told them earlier on that this was happening with work and education? And... Yeah, I'd, I had made my decision that I couldn't do it because this is what I, you know, this had come up and I couldn't do it. So yeah, and the I, club was okay with that. Yeah, no, I was fine. I said I was only you know I was only young at the time and. Going to NSL, I was probably looking at you know probably more experienced players, but um, and and I knew that I couldn't I couldn't commit to doing anything. And so then, how did you um, in '91 uh, when you then came back to football? How did you how did you get to Bulleye? Bulleye, and and, and and it was Jerry Walker at the mm. time. So how did how did you get there? Um, the traction was Boss Paddy. Yep. I remember watching a couple of games then. I thought, well, this is a nice place. Um, but I also knew at the time, who's now a very good friend of mine, um, I knew David Morris, who yeah. I'd played against and um, at school level, that somehow I got to know him and then I thought, oh, you know, David's over there, I'll go and, go and see what it's like. And uh, yeah, I went and trained a couple of sessions and then Jerry just said to me, I would, he was interested in interested in obviously me yep. joining the club and which I did and yeah it was the start of a fairly good run with them and I had a really good time at the club you know I played with the likes of Steve Forshaw um, back then you know Green Eady Rock Patterson uh, was another one Steve Sargison so some big names at the club that you were playing alongside so yep. 
you know, um, in its different incarnations, whether it be in State League or even in the, you know, 30s and 40s, um, the old Winuna Bulline State League, it's Balls Paddock or uh, Winuna Sports Ground or, or the different ways it was called. It's always had a sort of attraction about it, hasn't it? Well, as I said, the detraction for me was one because it was close to home, yep. and two was playing at Balls Paddock, yep. um, which I think still is probably one of the prettiest football grounds. I'm trying to think yeah. of um, how to describe it. It's uh, it's sort of um, dug out a bit, so you sort of you feel like you're um, a bit below ground level in a sense. It's mm. dug out. Um, it's sort of you cornered pretty much three quarters of the ground but the other side that isn't is a grandstand yep. um, it's very intimate the pitch from I, I hadn't played a lot there um, in the last 10 years but when I did play in the 90s it was always great to play there because mm. it was intimate um, you know the sounds echoed around it was just a great place to play wasn't it oh I was, as I said that that was I'm probably not alone in saying that you know that's that that's been the biggest attraction to go and play for Bullo but um yeah, great, great facilities. I said, I remember just, you know, first couple of years I was there and, you know, pre-season, even, like, first couple of games of the season, it was just, like, carpet. And it was just um, probably the envy of a lot of grounds yeah. around the place. Well, it did host some grand finals and I can, mm. um, well, even playing league games there, um, uh, I can still remember um, one of the best bits, uh, even in the away sheds, was to, to have a shower and then uh, watch, 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 game. watch the other game <laughs> and, and you could have a shower yeah. um, in those couple of left-type shower positions. Mm. So it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, so what about um, Jerry Walker? You know, he had a, had a great career as a, as a player and then as a coach at different clubs and federation days and then in, in the local league. So how did you find him as, as a coach? Oh, Jerry was good. Once again, he was fairly relaxed about things and obviously he liked the way I played. I think I played about oh, maybe 17, 18 games until he said to me that he was going to try something different because we weren't doing that great. Yep. And he was going to try someone else in that position, which I you know, I'd had no issues with. And um, yeah, I think I'd kind of, I think I might have played two games in reserves so or might have sat on the bench, but I ended up playing the last game I think or two back in the team um, but unfortunately the year after Jerry left and um, yeah Dick Evans came in and took over. So with Richard Evans um, you know um, he had two years with him and, and he's another another gentleman that's had you know a, a great career and has, has coached a lot in, in different areas of the sport. Um, how did you find him? Yeah Rich was a character but um but he knew his stuff as well. He um he obviously didn't have the uh, he wasn't as meticulous as Casey was, I guess. But um you know he had coached at a decent level. He'd been involved with um, state teams and so he you know I, I enjoy my time in the Rich. Um yeah. you know, after you know obviously he left, he went to Lysarts, I think it was. But um I think my you know I still kept a fairly sort of good relationship with. Because at that point in time, sort of you're in your sort of your twenties, early twenties, and you're developing even more as a footballer. How did you find um, sort of the, after that gap year the transition from state league to the local league? Because the local league at that point was still a, a very strong product, mm-hmm. wasn't it, in terms of the competitiveness and 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 the players that were involved? Oh, look, the back. I remember um, playing against some very good players. Um, 
first game I've actually played football, I was at Balls Paddock against West Victory. Yep. Um, playing against Phil Brown. Yep. And I didn't at the time I didn't know Phil. Yep. But um, obviously everybody, you know, a lot of people that were listening would, would know Phil Brown, and they, they knew about his condition, and yep. I didn't. <laughs> So, playing alongside of him... Um, because he had a... a medically speaking, I apologise in mm-hmm. advance. I think he had a, some sort of verbal tick. Yeah, and he, had, where... uh, he would have, you know, like kind of... Yeah, not fit, but it was just... You know, he would... Um, I just remember him scaring the hell out of me. Because I didn't know who he was. And I was a bit concerned about it at the time. But, you know, you obviously get to know him. But yeah. uh, besides that, man, he was a very, very good player. Um and you know, so playing against him, and then he had the likes of Stevie Hyle playing alongside him, and in, in that side, Donnie Martinoski was there, Tony Donnelly at the back. They were a very strong team, and I remember playing that game and, and winning one nil. Um, we won our one man of the match that that game, first game for Bulleye, um, and that was my first taste of alcohol back at Bulleye <laughs> um, Bowling Club. So. Yeah, I've got. I suppose I've got Bullo Football Club to thank for my love for beer and alcohol. But um, yeah, that was just part of the culture. And I, I, as I said, that was that was um, yeah, good times, man. And and what about um, you know that that time uh, under Jerry and, and and Dick? Did was there semi-finals involved? Um, not under Jerry. Yep. Uh, under Dick Evans, I think we might have made the semis. But obviously didn't get very far. I mean, back then the likes of you know, Wollongong Olympic and Grinchillo were very strong teams. So I don't remember. I think not under Jerry, but uh, Dick Evans might have made the semis, but uh, didn't get very far. And this is where we will end it in part one of episode 24. Hope you enjoyed the first part of Julio's early career. Thanks for downloading this podcast, and I hope you download the second part of this interview with Julio Miranda. I'm your host, Travis. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 